Hey girl, you're listening to the For The Girl podcast, the podcast designed for you. Join Mac and Ken's as they cover all the hard topics for real life girls trying to love Jesus. Get ready for encouragement, truth, and let's be real, a little bit of a hot mess. Is it just me or are Mac and Ken's your new best friends? Let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our final episode of the Dating Devo series. I'm a little bit sad that we're done talking about dating for a little bit. This has been so much fun, but today we have an amazing treat for you guys. We have Kate Tomlin on the podcast. She is an official dating expert and coach. Remember at at the beginning when we said that was not us? Well, we finally have the expert for you. (laughs) And today's episode is all about how to date great. And Kate shares so much wisdom, so many practicals that you are not going to want to miss in this episode. But before we jump into that, we need to talk about what you guys are doing this summer because this (laughs) is really important. I know that it feels like summer isn't even over for 2023, but we're talking about summer 2024 already. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I don't even know if we can say summer is officially over, but here we are. Okay. You guys, you probably heard us talk about them before, but Windshape Camps is an incredible Christian camp across the country, and they are looking for awesome leaders like yourself to spend your summer at camp, like working at camp, being a camp counselor. And when I say Mac and I really, truly, deeply regret not being camp counselors through our time in college or our young adult lives, we regret it deeply. Like they sound, it just sounds like the most fun thing ever to- How can I just quit everything and go be a camp counselor this summer? (laughs) Like when- is that possible? Can I make it happen? Can I apply to work at Windshape? I don't know. I wish. They, because we've been partnering with them, they actually offered for us to like go like experience camp and like we will be there as long as we can, you know. And we're going to wear our coolest fits, big t-shirts, bandanas, face paint. I don't know, but it sounds like the dream. And so anyways, <laughs> if you are considering or just thinking about your summer, what you're going to do ahead – Would you consider volunteering or working, not volunteering? You get paid for this opportunity at Windshape Camps. They are actually the highest paying summer camp in the country. So that's pretty cool. Also, you will meet amazing people. Talk about dating and boys and where you can meet boys. I don't know, but camp feels like one of the best places. How many people have met their future husband at camp? So many, so So many. (laughs) Obviously, after this, we're going to be giving you guys our dating advice and you guys submitted your little things or your situations. I think about 60% of them were flings that came out of camp. The one we're going to read today isn't, but, you know, we should have picked one because everybody, everybody always asks us the question, where are the awesome Christian guys? They're summer camp counselors. That's where they are. They're at church during the rest of the year, but in the summer, they are camp counselors. It doesn't matter if they're the worship leader or the cafeteria person or the trash picker upper. Like they love God and are spending their summer at camp and there's just nothing better. So we love those boys. Um, Also, it's just the best opportunity to grow in your leadership and to grow in evangelizing and discipleship and all these things that I know so many of the For the Girl listeners want to grow in. You guys are hungry for growth. You want to see change in your life and you want to become better leaders. Well, this is the perfect way to do that. Take like, it's just three months off. 
move somewhere super cool and grow in your faith. It's just the best. So take three months off. They already get three months off, Kens. We're talking to the college girls right now that are looking no, for an awesome summer opportunity. Are, <laughs> no, there's girls, college girls who aren't taking their summers to oh. like, you know, do something cool and fun like this. They're like what? still grinding. Oh, they're getting know? the internship or something like that. Yeah. Okay. They're yeah, not, sure. You know, they're they're trying to save and have four jobs. Like forget yeah. it. Yeah. This is your highest paying this summer is camp. the highest paid summer <laughs> camp. And it's just an amazing, amazing opportunity. We partner with Windshape because we really believe in this. I believe in the transformation that happens when you get outside of your comfort zone. You do something where you don't know anybody and you just commit your summer to serving and to just being the hands and feet of Jesus to some amazing kids. There's so many jobs at Windshape that you can do if you're passionate about music, if you're passionate about logistics, if you're passionate about outdoors, like whatever it is, there's so many different opportunities that you can be a part of with working at Windshape. And if you are interested in this at all, all you have to do is head to our show notes and fill out our interest form. Our interest form is going to get you connected with somebody at Windshape who's going to be able to answer all of your questions and just share more about this amazing experience. So we just couldn't in the dating series without talking to you guys <laughs> about how much we love, love, love Windshape Camps. You're going to hear us talk about them a lot more throughout the next couple of months on the socials and all the things. But yeah, we're hardcore recruiting you guys to work yeah. at Windshape because yeah. we're going to be there this summer. And so we're going to have to meet you guys. <laughs> yes. I could not wait to meet you in my oversized comfort colors tea. So yeah. With, with the baby. Because she'll have her child <laughs> With the child. baby. What a dream. What a dream. <laughs> what a dream. But yeah, go into the show notes. Click that little thing. You don't. It's not an application. You're not committing to anything. You're just receiving more information. So Okay, so moving forward, we have a pretty sweet um, story from a gal who submitted it on Instagram in our DMs of a little friendship that has turned into a crush and she's confused. So I'm going to read this thing and we're going to give you guys our best advice because this is real. You know, the guy friends that become that become lovers. We love that. Okay, situationship, please. We've been friends for three years. We share similar stories, struggles, viewpoints. Lately, he has been more intentional in talking to me and more physical in group settings. Oh, wow. Okay. Like leg against mind purposefully, she said. Oh, oh my gosh. That gives me like the literal butterflies. I don't know why. (laughs) I'm like invested. (laughs) Okay. I love it. We have discussed our relationship before and both agree that we want to deepen our faith before committing to someone. As someone who sometimes struggles with lust and the desire for a boyfriend, I find it very hard that he is starting to push the boundaries. I don't want to break the friendship by explaining things like boundaries between guys and girls because I value our friendship so much. I don't know whether to bring it up or just keep being friends. There we go. Okay. I have so many thoughts on this one. Two things. Number one, no doubt about it. There needs to be a conversation. You have to talk to him about this because I think that sometimes we rely on these old conversations that we've had, but when things start to shift or things start to change, that always calls for another conversation. If you're sitting here feeling like your heart is getting tied back into it and you're wondering like, oh, do I want to be in a relationship with him or whatnot? You just need to have 
the Clarity is Kindness conversation where you guys just talk about it and re-figure out where you are. The second thing I would say here, and I think this is really important, is the whole guys and girls being friends. I get it. Guys can be awesome friends and they can be. But the truth is when you enter into marriage, you just don't have – you don't take any guy friends with you into marriage. You just don't. When you enter into zero, none, none of them, you have zero guy friends anymore. (laughs) And so I just don't think that this is for all women listening, investing in your guy friends. It's just not the best use of your time. Invest in your girlfriends, invest in those friendships and relationships, and then have clarifying conversations with your guy friends. Don't be afraid to ever mess up a friendship with a guy because I promise you, either he will be the guy that you marry or he will not be your friend when you get married. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I mean, this is like the hottest take ever that I don't care if we get hate for because it's so irrelevant. But like, I, I don't know. I just really don't think I don't even think guys and girls can be friends. And I've said this for years. And here's. Amen. I mean, like, (laughs) yeah, like I know there's so many people listening who have. That are just, they're raging at us right now. (laughs) They're so mad at us. (laughs) I'm sorry, girl. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, you can't be friends, but somebody's developing feelings. That's the problem. Exactly. Exactly. Like, or somebody's going to in the very near future. And I told you so later. Okay, girl, I told you so. Because in the next year, at most, probably the next few months, somebody's going to like somebody, either you or him, or there was a pass between the two of you. And you really just shouldn't be friends because it's just weird, period, you know? Yeah. And then also because it's a waste of time because you're really not bringing these relationships into your future. I will say, I think there might be an exception of like 5%. There might be like, you know, there's maybe maybe like a rare, 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 rare. Even still, you shouldn't bring that friendship into your marriage. (laughs) Even so, yeah. Yeah. It's gone. And I will say every, literally guys, I'm not even kidding. Every single guy friend that I had, I'm going to put that in quotes, guy friend that I had, either he at some point liked me or I at some point started to like him and things got messy. And guess what? I'm friends with zero of them now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, literally same exact story. And then I bet you if actually I'm about to have my neighbor girlfriends over tonight and they fight me on this. They're always like, what? And I'm like, okay, wait. They're like, we have a friend that's a boy. And I'm like, okay, tell me more. One one sentence in. They're like, yeah, actually, I mean, he kind of liked me. It's a little weird. I'm like, exactly. Okay. (laughs) So anyways, speaking to this girl, speaking to this girl, I guess I would also say that, like, you guys either need to decide you're going to date or don't be friends is what we're saying. Like, I think, like, <laughs> and in this is because, like, and I know you said you guys are waiting to date because you want to, like, spiritually grow. And I love that. That's great. So I think the best option that you can do is to, if you still agree with that, like Max said, this could have been an old conversation and maybe now you are ready to date. But yeah. if that's still applicable, if you still really want to grow in your faith, then do that and don't be friends. I would really not be friends. <laughs> I mean, you could be in a group setting. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But it's sounding say- like the group settings are getting a little questionable, Mac. Yeah. I was going to say, I think 
Okay, I hear you single girls right now that are coming at us about this, um, just saying, wait, you can't be friends. And I understand the whole friend group dynamic. Like there's a group of five girls and a group of five guys and you guys all hang out and whatnot. Okay, yeah. yeah Something yeah. in that will, like that friend group will not last forever once real relationships start. And it's also like those, so I, I'm not even saying you can't be friends with a guy. I'm just saying that like, don't ever let the fear of a friendship with a guy keep you from having honest conversations. That's my big advice here because of the fact that you will not take these friendships into your next stage of life. So you might as well take the risk, go out on a limb, have the hard conversation and kind of figure out what the next step looks like for you guys. It might mean, okay, yeah, we want to give this a shot. We want to date. Maybe he's too scared to tell you, hey, my feelings have changed. I'm ready to date you or whatever. Or he's not ready to date you and he's kind of messing with you, which is not cool and not okay. Been there. Been there. Yeah. And so then you do need to draw the boundary of like, hey, we don't need to be like this weird in-between friends thing. Like I like respect myself too much to enter into that. And so I think here, again, the clarifying conversation matters so much. Don't fear losing the friendship only because I promise you in the long run, it won't matter. (laughs) That's right. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I love that. Mac never lets us have super, super hot takes. So that was No, I don't. I usually (laughs) I usually try to stay pretty politically correct on things. But this one, I'm passionate about it. I can't wait for the DMs. Like I've always waited for this moment, guys. Come on. Give us give us your situation. If you disagree, we'll talk through it. But I think you gave a lot of clarity to that. And I think primarily it's like the one-on-one hangs, like the groups, whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. they still aren't going to like go super far. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. Well, I wonder what our dating expert, Kate, would say about that one. We should have asked her. Dang, we did it, you guys. So I guess you're just getting our not expert advice, but some good experience. And I'm really excited for this episode. We truly tried to cover like everything you guys are always wondering and asking, boundaries, communication, conflict. Yeah, and so it's going to be good. And thank you guys so much for listening to um, the dating series. All right, you guys are so excited to jump into this episode. We have the one and only Kate. Tomlin. Kate is a good friend and she's also a dating coach and expert. So she's going to give you guys all the answers you're looking for when it comes to your dating life. (laughs) And we have like so many questions, Kate. I'm excited to get through them. I know the For The Girl audience is excited to hear because... Yeah, we I think this is a really ambiguous topic that, you know, isn't always talked about straight out of the word of God. And then we see people do it so differently. And so, yeah, we just are looking for advice and insight. And it's going to be so good. But before we jump in, I thought it'd be sweet for you to just introduce yourself and then maybe also share just like a little bit of your dating history and obviously where you're at now. <laughs> yes, I'm excited to be here and hey ladies. So, for me, oh well, I'll say who I am first. So, yes, I used to be Kate Warman, now I'm Kate Tomlin. Fun fact, I met my husband on y'all's event, okay? It's so crazy. Yes. On your Galentine's <laughs> event in 2021. 
where Mac also met her man, like the yes. funniest thing. I still can't believe that. It. Like, it's just so crazy. And I always think of y'all because every time we tell that story, I bring that up. And I'm always like <laughs> thinking of y'all every time we tell it. Anyway, but before that, I, I'm 34 now. And I've been single way longer than I've been married. And so my singleness journey was that I started dating pretty young and dating was a big thing for me. Like I was obsessed with men. I was dating all the time. My parents, unfortunately, let me start dating way too young, in my opinion, at the age of 14. Um, I think I was really strong willed, though. So they didn't know how to deal with me. And I was like, I am dating. I don't care what you say. And they're like, we don't know what to do with her. So I started dating, um, had tons of boyfriends. And just basically from 14 to 24 was never single, like always Mm. had a guy of some kind, whether they were my boyfriend or I was talking to them or what have you. Um, In that time, dated a bunch of different situations, long distance. I had a long relationship of five years. I dated short like little flings and things. And then my last relationship, unfortunately, in that stint was a really hard abusive relationship for about two and a half years. And after I got out of that relationship, I took some time to heal and figure out who is Kate outside of dating. Because Mm, for me, so much of my journey had been dating and just seeking validation from men and for guys to fill a hole in my heart that really I needed to get from the Lord first. And when I asked myself, like, do I even like myself at that point in time, I would say I did not. And that was a really hard thing to face. And I'm really grateful for the community I was in that helped redirect me back to the Lord, because that's a very slippery, hard place to be where you could go into really bad despair or stuckness and disappointment. And so I went on a journey of healing and taking time off of men and focusing on who is Kate and who does God say Kate is. And in that time, I also started researching how to date well. And, you know, I found that there weren't that many great like resources, but I mean, now this is like eight years ago. Okay. So, you know, and fun fact for every almost 250, for every, for one in every 250 marriage books, books is a dating book. So for every 250 marriage books, there's a dating book. Okay. Um, That's a better way to say it. So there's a lot more marriage and couples resources than there are for singles and dating. And that's not even just Christian based. That's just overall, if you do an Amazon search. So there's not that many resources for Christian singles and for dating. And so I tried to research everything I could and realize there's just a lack of those elements. And eventually God did put it on my heart to start the Heart of Dating podcast, which I did not want to do. I did not want to be the single girl talking about dating. Um, <laughs> but I, I, ironically, as I've looked back, I'm like looking, I look at so many different places in the Bible where God calls the unexpected person and they're like, why are you choosing me? This doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like it's supposed to be my journey. Like choose someone else. Okay. Like, and God's like, no, I'm choosing you. And when I look back on Heart of Dating and that starting, that is very much how I feel about that journey. Because before then, eight years ago, seven years ago, I would have laughed at you if you told me this is what I'd be doing today. I would have like literally thought that's the last thing I would ever do in my life. (laughs) And here (laughs) we are. And so five and a half years ago, started Heart of Dating, continued to date as a dating coach in that process, which was its own set of weirdness, you know, telling people that you're a dating coach and being on dating apps. 
um, and still got my heart broken, but eventually met JJ, who was five Yay. and a half younger, <laughs> had blue hair at the time, and like weird quirky style and y'all were the best you were like he's a great guy here's his instagram <laughs> and i totally stalked him and i was like this guy is weird but what i liked about him was that he didn't care what people thought about him so i would say that i dated the unexpected and i wasn't initially that into him but God really opened my heart to him and his character and so many other things, which I'm so glad I gave him a shot because old me would have been like, no, that guy's not my type. That's weird style, weird hair, really young for me. Like all the things And Mac, I'm sure you had things with young age too, <laughs> dating Tyler. Yeah. It's like, whoa, never thought I would date a guy that young. And so anyway, here we are today. And now we co-run Heart of Dating together. So it's a little bit of my story, hard dating. I know that was a lot, but that <laughs> kind of sets the groundwork for everything else we'll talk about. <laughs> I love it so much. You guys have such a great story. And I love that it <laughs> happened at a dating event. Like it's just so cool. And then now you guys are stepping into this together. And I remember it was so funny. We would, after the event, like we both kind of knew that, you know, you were kind of chatting with JJ. I was chatting with Tyler and we'd kind of catch up every couple months and be like, where are you guys? What's going yeah, on? Exactly. And so it's so like, funny. Can you believe this is happening that we're yeah. dating these young guys, like long distance? <laughs> like this is crazy. Uh, it was so, <laughs> so funny. Oh my goodness. I always actually think back on the night when all the girls that were there that like we were essentially setting up with them. And I was like, oh gosh, we, we yeah. stole them. Oh no. <laughs> we didn't even do them. Either one of us had no intention. So I was not even thinking about it. No. It was JJ spotting me and Tyler spotting you. And that was just the way of it, you know? So. Uh, I love it so much. We need to do another single ladies night soon. Yeah. The ladies yeah. are waiting. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Kate, you mentioned something through just kind of sharing your story of how you met. JJ, the blue hair, dating the unexpected. I want to start maybe with this conversation of like what it looks like or dating the potential of somebody mm. and where you like draw the line and if that's okay. Funny enough too, Josh, like when I first met him, he had like, you know, funny style and goofy hair and like, <laughs> it was he like you guys after are, JJ and some of that, like what are, what are these girls doing? Boys. I love it. <laughs> but beyond beyond the looks, beyond the looks, the potential, you know, in that conversation. Mm -hmm. I would just love to hear your perspective on that, where you draw the line, how much even like patience you should have with somebody to grow or mm -hmm. to change, or do we not even go there? Right. I think there's also different buckets of potential. Like the potential that I initially saw on JJ was hey, this is kind of weird style and this probably will change. And I asked him, like, if style was a big thing to him and he, like, loved it as part of his identity or, like, the way he um, showed his personality, I'd be like, cool, no big – that's fine. I Then I have to decide if I'm okay with that. But we had an honest conversation. He was like, no, I'm just messing around. Like, I don't need blue hair or this earring or stuff like that. And, like, I don't really care. And so he still has weird style in many ways and will randomly shave a random mustache or dye his hair, facial hair, weird colors. And he does weird things all the time. That surprises me. But that was one thing I was like, okay, we had that conversation and he was open to maybe shifting some of that. And 
not entirely, you know, you have to uh, let somebody fully be themselves. I think for men, my coaches actually taught me that I'm going to get the pull this up for my notes, but there are three things that are super important um, in a relationship with a man. Um, like statistically that like three, three things that guys really want when from their woman, they want to feel like they have a sense of autonomy. So basically that they can fully do things themselves. They are autonomous. They can still have their own life. They can still have their own interests like Mm -hmm. football, for example, with JJ and going golfing and things. Um, the second thing is they want to feel needed. So if you're the kind of woman that's like, I don't need a man, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, the man wants to feel like he can provide something for you in your life. And the third thing, which is ties into this is they want to feel accepted for as they are and for who they are. And so a big part of that in relationships is just knowing that you can't, you're never going to fully be able to change a person. And that's not, that shouldn't be your goal in dating, but there are going to be things that do change. And so when you get married, you are kind of gambling to some extent because you're saying, I'm looking at everything that I know about this person to be true right now. And I'm saying, even if some of these things never change, am I willing to put my life in this relationship. Um, And you kind of, when I talked to my therapist before we got engaged, I had to face that decision for myself. Is there enough good here that outweighs some of the harder things that I had in our relationship? You know, some of JJ's forgetfulness, like more character things, you know, not just like the style, which is fun and whatever, but more like his type B personality and some of the ways that he's more forgetful or he can at times be unreliable, mainly because of the forgetfulness, um, some of his humor that maybe gets on my nerves, you know, and things like that. And so I had to fully look at those things and say, probably some of them will grow and change. But if they didn't fully change ever to where I would like for them to change, can I fully accept him how how and as he is? And I think when you're coming into relationship, especially for marriage, that's a really important thing to ask yourself. Because if you go into marriage saying, oh, I'm going to marry this person, but I'm staking the fact that all these things about them will change, it will cause a lot of heartache and resentment potentially in the relationship. Um, And so, you know, JJ has changed some areas, but he's still like the same funny, quirky guy at his core, you know, and he's still very flexible and he still forgets things. And like, I'm learning as now a wife, like, okay, that means sometimes I have to pick up some of the slack, which isn't necessarily what I wanted to do at first. But I knew that before I got married to him. And that's just part of the the deal, you know? And so but when I when it comes to potential, I feel like you shouldn't date, you shouldn't marry someone where the potential risk is too great. If it comes down to their level of faith, their level of knowing, loving God, their level of maturity, their level of emotional health, I would say some of those things are potentially like, hey, don't bank on that growing, especially relationship with God. It might, but it might not, you know, like you can't force somebody to change. And the more you do that, the more it turns into codependency where your health and your happiness depends on if they're changing and if you're able to help them change, which becomes, you become intertwined and mesh and it's very unhealthy. And so there are some things where you just have to say, I'm never going to get a relationship with a person 
that is perfectly everything I would ever wish and imagine. Okay. But, and that's okay. Like, unless you want to marry yourself or like a, a clone version of yourself or somebody who's never going to challenge you, which I don't think marriage is about. And so you're going to have to accept that they're going to be challenging things, but you really want to weigh the things that maybe are, should be deal breakers or closer to deal breakers and don't bank on those things necessarily changing. So that's where I would say weighing the potential, it gets risky. You have to do it to an extent, but then it gets risky if it's something really big, like their level of faith. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And I, I want to say it more into kind of that discernment phase of, is this the relationship that's going to move towards marriage? Maybe a little bit later in the episode, but I want to kind of ask you, I feel like this is the one when somebody starts dating someone and they're really excited about it and they're, they know it's a great guy and they're so pumped about it. I feel like every girl comes to me and is like, what Bible study should we be doing together? Or, you know, what rhythm should we start? Should we have a weekly date night? Should we do this? And I feel like there's just so many questions around establishing rhythms in your dating life mm. and what could that look like and, and what does a healthy relationship include? And I don't know, I'd just love to hear from you. Uh, are there any rhythms or are there any things that you would be like, this matters so much and establish these? And maybe what are some of the ones that we don't have to put as much pressure on? Yeah, I think every couple is different. And so you do have to figure out what works uniquely for the two of you. It's hard. And I I always encourage couples like don't compare to what another couple does, because maybe your relationship or that guy is just different. And he does things a little bit differently. And that's not necessarily bad. It's just different. So you guys have to figure out what works for you together. Um, I will say like some of the rhythms that I think are great is is being intentional about a weekly date night. I do think that's awesome. And when you get into a into the depth of relationship, sometimes you can switch it off. Maybe the girl's planning, maybe the guy's planning. Uh, but I think it can be really easy, even in relationship, uh, let alone marriage, to just go with the flow and just, hey, let's hang. We're going to hang. We're going to hang. We're going to hang. Um, but there's something really awesome about intentional date nights that are a little more thoughtful or you're asking maybe some harder questions, or you're building a fun memory. And I think making intentional space for that on a weekly basis is really, really helpful. Um, ideally on a weekly basis. That's what JJ and I aimed for. Um, I would say in terms of like spiritual practices, totally do, doing some sort of book study is awesome. I would say if you are at the new stages of brand new dating, or just entered into a relationship, like you know, continue to build that friendship instead of let's hop into like doing something super serious right away. Um, but one book JJ and I read together was Mingling of Souls. Uh, we read that probably around like four to six months of actually being in a relationship. So that's like post our initial dating phase of we we weren't official yet. Okay. And so we read that and then we met up every week or every two weeks to kind of discuss it. And there weren't questions at the end of the chapter. We just, I don't think so, but we went over the chapters and that was really good and a really, and started really awesome conversations. Um, that book's by Matt Chandler. I think a great, another great book to just read. And th these are books, not necessarily devotionals, but I love the sacred search. Great book. I recommend it all the time to couples because it's by Gary Thomas and it really helps you actually in pacing your relationship well. So I think one thing though, for sure, 
is I, if you're going to do something like praying over each other, one thing I do recommend here specifically is don't let your spiritual intimacy outgrow your level of relationship. You want to keep that balanced. And I know couples that maybe don't cross physical boundaries, but they're praying hours on end with each other. And it gets, you feel so spiritually intertwined with this person. And I'm telling you that there's a different level of spiritual intimacy that's supposed to happen in marriage. So don't add that level of spiritual intimacy to that extent in dating. So what does that look like? Like the man is not your necessarily fully your spiritual leader in dating yet. You want to look to him for spiritual leadership qualities, but he's not to lead every part of you and your life yet. That's the call of a husband specifically. So you want to see he has those qualities, but you can't lean on him for all those things in a dating relationship. Similarly, I don't believe in dating relationship, you should be praying together as one because you're not one yet. That happens in the covenant of marriage. And so how you differentiate is, okay, um, well, I'm going to pray specifically for this person. Do you want to join me in that prayer versus together as a couple and as a unit, we're going to powerfully pray for this person or powerfully praying together for your relationship. I don't think that's necessarily healthy. I think that should be done individually. Um, and so those are just some practical practices I would recommend for spiritual boundaries. And then I would say later, as you are considering engagement, I, me and JJ really recommend pre-engagement counseling of some kind or doing some sort of pre-engagement study. We specifically did something called the Symbus assessment. Have you guys heard of that or done that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. We did um, that. Yeah. And we did that actually pre-engagement, which was awesome. And then we did premarital counseling too. But what I love about doing something pre-engagement is once you're engaged, you're doing so many things, right? You're planning the wedding and then you have a stress of marital counseling, premarital counseling, and you're like learning all these new things about each other. What I love about pre-engagement work right before you're about to get engaged is you get some of those hard questions already answered. You know, we knew about each other's financial uh, like status and like where we were financially. We knew about some of the biggest fights we'd probably have. So I was able to go into engagement, knowing fully what I was walking into. And I wasn't just learning that in engagement. And so that's something we practice that we really think could be really helpful. So those are just a few things. <laughs> so good and so helpful. I'm glad you touched on even spiritual boundaries. It's something we don't think about. And I think it's, I think people listening come from two different perspectives, right? There's people that are like, okay, we barely pray together. We don't study anything together. How do I integrate that a little bit more? And I'm so glad you gave so many good resources. But for anybody who's like taking it a little too far with the spiritual <laughs> thing together, I think that's like a really important conversation too. Because we've kind of seen that. You think it's so good and so fruitful. And in some ways it is. But I think that there's just such importance of protecting your intimacy with Jesus in a dating mm -hmm. season. It's already so emotional. There's already so many questions. There's already so much growth that you need to have, he needs to have. And that's just like better and healthier when there's boundaries in place. Yeah, so, 100%. That's really good. Speaking of boundaries, there's two other like areas I kind of want to hear your perspective on. Number one, boundaries physically. I think as Christian women, we are trying to figure that out. How do I set good boundaries? boundaries that are sustainable, not going to 
feel full of like shame or things that are realistic too that like Mm -hmm. I can like set and stick with. And then the second area, I'm going to throw them both at you. You can just think about it. But the second area is even just like community. Do you integrate your friends while dating all the way? Where do you draw the line there? Yeah, great question. So with boundaries, it's like everyone's hottest question. And we did an episode, we done a few episodes on this on Heart of Dating, but we were just looking yesterday and our boundaries one from the spring did so well, of course. Um, And we had Tori and Chad Masters on and people just loved it. And I'm not surprised. I was like, of course, that one did so well because people love talking about boundaries. Um, But something I recommend is it, I'm not going to be prescriptive and say, everybody do this. But what I will say is you need to know yourself really deeply and intimately and get honest with yourself. What has your past been with boundaries? What has your sexual past been, if you have any, if you have a sexual past? And for me, I had quite an extensive sexual past and I wasn't that great with setting boundaries and sticking to them. So for somebody like me, I knew that if I wanted to be successful on the boundaries I was setting, I was going to have to be more stricter, more strict than maybe somebody else. And so I just had to be honest about that. Like, you have to get real. You you might want to pretend, oh, but I should be better now. Like, it's I've grown. It's been years, you know. But if you look at your patterns and tendencies, like it tells you the reality. And so um, be honest with yourself. And from that place, go in with confidence of like, hey, this is my boundaries and why. And I'm doing this because I know myself and I know my tendencies and I'm setting myself up for success. And if you have that conversation with someone, which I recommend doing early, very early on, you know, you want to see how they respond to that. Are they going to respect you and honor you? Are they willing to come to your same page? Because if they if you're on page two and they're on page three and they don't want to come back to page two and stick to page two, then you're probably going to end up going to page three and you're not going to want that to you're going to feel bad about that. And that's where the shame comes in. So I think having an honest conversation and getting on the same page and having a joint conviction and looking for a man who will honor you when you say, hey, this is what makes me feel safe. This is what I need to for this relationship to feel good in this relationship. And this is my conviction. The right man's going to hear that and be like, wow, I want to honor her. Above all, I want to honor this woman. And, you know, temptations, of course, are all around. But the right man's going to want to honor you. And he's going to do whatever it takes to honor you in the relationship. And so, but... Sometimes people don't have these honest conversations and it's just kind of blurry and gray and then you cross boundaries and you're like, whoopsie. So that's why I think you have to have it early in the relationship, even in dating. I told guys on a first date, as awkward as it was, I just full on told them I'm not going to kiss you. I just don't kiss until I'm in a relationship and that's a rule that I have. And so I know that it's awkward and I don't even know if you want to kiss me, but I just want you to know. <laughs> So that uh, end of this date, you're not awkwardly going in and I'm like, you know, like rejecting you. And so it caught it. There were some awkward moments, but the guys were like, totally. I that's awesome. And I respect that. And so I think that's one of the biggest things with boundaries. And with that, you have to know your why. Why is your boundaries what they are? Um, And that has to be deeply, deeply rooted in knowing your convictions and your past and all of that together, figuring out what your personal boundaries are. Um, I think boundaries also extend more than physical, which people don't often talk about. It's emotional and spiritual. And 
you know, we could go a long time talking about that, but with emotional boundaries too, you need to know what are you willing to share up front and what things do you maybe not want to, you want to share through time as you get to know someone. Someone may ask you a question. For example, a guy once asked me a question, tell me the relationship with X person in your family life. And that's a really hard answer for me and very vulnerable answer for me. And so in my past, I probably would have just answered it out of not knowing what my emotional boundaries were or feeling pressured in the moment to tell him or people please and tell him to not make him feel bad. But in after growth and figuring out my emotional boundaries, I said to him, hey, I really appreciate you asking that question. I know you have really good intentions. Uh, What you don't know is the answer to that is actually really vulnerable for me. And so I'm not going to share about that right now. But I do look forward to getting to know you more and being able to share more about that subject through time. And so that's an example of like an emotional boundary, which I think is also really important. Uh, Going into the friends conversation, inviting friends in, uh, I think it is important to invite some people in, but I would say some, okay, (laughs) this is where, especially like for the younger girls listening, man, I totally know what it's like to want to tell all your girlfriends at your girls nights and just like be in a group text and everyone's asking you about the date and it's like all fun and cutesy. But that is where a lot of pressure gets put on relationships and situations And I actually think it's much wiser to only invite the closest core people in your life. Um, So it might be a friend or two, but it also should be like a mentor or a spiritual couple and people that know you really well and really deeply. Um, I definitely would not invite everybody under the sun into this conversation at the beginning. As you move forward in your relationship, it's like pacing, you know, like I'm going to, as I properly pace and, you know, this, we get to know each other more, I'm going to let that person into more areas of my life. I'm going to let them be around more people. But in the very beginning, I really think it's important to just invite your core people. Like don't invite nobody. Like that's not good, but don't what I call submarine. You like go under the water with the person under the surface and then you pop back up and you're like, we're engaged. And everyone's like, what, where were you? I didn't even (laughs) know you were dating someone, you know, um, don't do that. Um, so you definitely want to invite people in, but be wise in who you're inviting in the beginning, because as ladies, we get so excited about love and relationships and you tell someone, you tell your group of girls on a group text, I'm on a date, and now they're all invested. And all 15 of them want to know every detail, and they're going to ask you about it. And you're just figuring out where you're standing with this person. <laughs> and so you don't necessarily need all that pressure yet until you figure out where you stand. So tell your one or two closest girlfriends, tell hopefully your mentors or a spiritual couple you have in your life. And then through time, let more people in. That's what I would suggest. Yeah. So good. I want to move into talking about conflict because I feel like this is also such a big part of dating and figuring out good communication through conflict. Because I know there's that moment where the first argument or the first fight happens. Tyler and I always talked when we first started dating for the first couple months, we were like, we can't even imagine being mad at each other. Like, what would that even be like? And then it's so funny because we're both very passionate people and we know how to have conflict, you know? (laughs) And it's, it can feel alarming at first. I think when you're early in a relationship of, oh no, is this not good? What does this mean? And I think that 
I have found that there can be such beauty in conflict and conflict often Mm -hmm. leads to really cool breakthrough, but also at the same time, it can lead to destruction and be really unhealthy. And so I guess for couples that are just navigating conflict and maybe in some earlier days, what would be kind of your go-to advice, your go-to encouragement for them? Yes. One thing I would encourage everybody listening to do is to take um, a love attachment style assessment to figure out how you attach in love, because how you attach in love will also show you how you're showing up in conflict. So uh, the four different kinds are anxious, avoidant, ambivalent, and secure. And I won't go through all of them. But like, if I think anxious speaks for itself. It's when I'm in conflict, I'm really anxious. I don't want the person to leave. I feel really like, oh, no, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. And I want to figure it out right now. And I don't want them to leave the room. Versus if you're in a relationship with somebody, if you're anxious, you're with someone who's an avoidant, they're like, I do not want to think about this. I want to exit the room as soon as possible. I may even want to exit this relationship. Okay, because this is a lot for me and emotions are hard. Um, And so I would take that assessment. There's many free ones online. Um, And I think that is just a helpful indicator for you to start preparing yourself for how you show up in love, especially in conflict. For example, I lean more anxious and JJ leans more avoidant. So there you go. That exact example that I just Mm -hmm. gave you is something that's played out for us quite a few times. And so, you know, we both had to learn and grow in that because for me, if I just see him like not kind of wanting to shut down the conflict and talk about it later, I'm going to freak out and be like, oh, this guy, I can't be with this guy Uh, versus and if he sees me going oh, we need to figure this out. Are we okay? Ah, I want to figure it out. He's like, this is a lot. She's a lot. She has too many emotions and he may run away. And so, you know, like this is, those are the things you kind of hear all the time. Like he's not emotionally available or, oh my gosh, she's just so needy and she has so many emotions. It's like the two things you hear a lot (laughs) from both sides. Yeah. Um, And frankly, honestly, a lot of anxious attachment people end up with avoidant attachment people. It's funny how that works, but it's not impossible to work those things out. And so in general, though, with conflict, you know, I think the biggest lesson that we've learned because we have had a lot of conflict is um, like, do you want to be right or do you want to be successful? That's probably the number one question we I always ask. Do I want to be right or do I want to be successful here? Am I so interested in him seeing my point and drilling it into him that he then feels flattened and then doesn't even want to really do any of the things I'm requesting, uh, that's not going to work. Being successful is maybe me voicing it once, giving him space to process it, having a time to come back to talk about it, and then having a successful resolution. And none of this happened overnight for us. Like We had some months of really hard conflict where neither one of us was understanding each other. And JJ, frankly, wanted to get out of the situation as soon as possible. And I was like, no. Um, And it was (laughs) really challenging. Um, And so, you know, conflict. Here's another great analogy. I heard my friend Jamal Miller say this. When you're looking for a relationship, you truly want iron sharpening iron. Okay. You don't want iron sharpening pillow because... An iron being sharpened by a pillow isn't going to be sharpened at all. And if you're a pillow with another pillow, literally nothing's going to happen. Okay. So you want iron, iron sharpening iron, which means they're 
what is it with iron sharpening iron? There's going to be sparks flying, sometimes not necessarily in the romantic way, but in the conflict way, right? And it's going to be rough and tough and you're going to have to go through the fire to be refined. But that's what you're looking for is iron sharpening iron. So relationships where there is some conflict, I'm like, hey, this isn't a bad thing per se. This could be awesome. And this could be where God wants to sanctify you and grow you and the other person. And I've grown the most being with JJ, who is very opposite of me. And as challenging as that is, it's definitely the ways in which I need to be challenged if I'm being really honest with myself. And so it's that iron sharpening iron. And at the end of the day, that is what you want. And with that, there's most likely going to come some level of conflict. For some people, it's more than others. It's also more for others if you've had a traumatic past, okay? Because more comes up in relationships. If you've had a really traumatic upbringing or traumatic relational experiences, you're going to have more triggers when it comes to love and relationships. And you want to heal those things and they're still going to come up to some extent and it might be difficult and it's going to take time to build safety and trust with a new person. And so that's going to add some conflict. And so you don't want to look at your relationship and look at these two people that had no trauma in their past. They're both secure leaning people with no bad attachment styles in their life that just have a humpy dory life and never have any conflict. It's the most, it's the worst thing ever to compare yourself to relationships like that. If you're a person like me that comes from trauma and has triggers and leans more anxious, like you can be successful in relationships, but there also might be some conflict and that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> Love that. That's such a good perspective. Because I think there's a lot of people, and I remember being in that place too, being like, we like fight way too much and I see these other couples and they don't. So this must mean that we don't work for each other. And I like what you had to say, which is basically like get get tools to try and talk through it and recognize yeah. your part that you're playing in it and your story and then how you're responding and working through it together is really important. Does it come to a point like, for anybody who's listening, like, you know, it's just not working. Like they're like conflict, conflict, conflict. And they just feel like, yeah. like where do you, when do you know it's, it's just not gonna. Well, with work. conflict, both people have to be willing to sacrifice or, or compromise to some extent and both be willing to learn and grow. Cause it's never usually that one person's right and the other person's wrong. It's like, Hey, both people could probably learn a thing or two. And both people are probably going to have to learn change and sacrifice to some extent. Um, I will say one thing that really helped JJ and I is JJ um, started speaking to a couple friend that I know um, that's much older and wiser. At least the man is like 45, much older. And his wife is very much like me. And so and he's very much like JJ. So he started asking them questions when we started running into conflict. And the man, his name's Mecca, was able to provide JJ with a perspective that some of his other friends and maybe easier type relationships um, weren't able to provide. And that was so helpful because he was able to say, hey, no, actually some of this is really, really normal and you're doing a really good job. Um, And I was able to do the same thing on my side. But sometimes I feel like guys go to just like their dude friends that either aren't in relationships or have never been in maybe a relationship with conflict and their their guy friends are like, she crazy, you know, (laughs) and that that's not going to help the relationship. And then that's when they're like, bye. Right. But I do think um, I have been with guys with conflict where 
you know, they just look at me and they're like, you are just 100% the problem, not me. You know, it's like the opposite of the Taylor Swift thing. Yeah. He's like, I'm not the problem. It's you. You're the problem. Okay. And so while I may have contributed to the problem, if the other person isn't also willing to look at themselves and truly learn and grow, that's a massive red flag. It's never usually just one party's fault. Um, Even if it's 60 or 70%, you're causing some issues, they're probably still contributing 20, 30, 40% of the of the issue as well. And they will need to learn and grow. It's never 100% somebody, (laughs) typically. Yeah. And so you have to look for somebody who's like willing to own what they can own and work on themselves. And if they're always saying, nope, you're the problem, you're too much, you're this and the other, then that's probably where it's not going to work. Because I think almost any two people could work together if they both have that teachable spirit and willingness to to learn and grow. But you have to be ignited in that relationship. You have to want it and want to pursue it yeah. and do that work. And some people just frankly don't want to. And they'll, they'll show you that through their actions and their words. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that perspective because I think that it's – I just have talked to so many girls and – they just are like, oh, we're fighting. And I feel like this just means that it's bad and it's not good. And I think that it it always comes down to, I tell them all the time, I'm like, okay, let's recognize where, what's your fault in this? Because it's so mm-hmm. easy to make the other person the enemy and to put like the other person over, over the relationship and to be so angry at that, that you lose sight of what's healthy for the relationship. And so I think that's mm-hmm. such good wisdom and such good advice, but it takes two people who are willing to do that, willing to recognize where they need to grow and where they need to kind of die to self. And so yeah. I love that. And I want to jump into the question of, you know, how do I know if he's the one? How do I know if we should move towards marriage? What does this look like? And and I think we can all agree that there's not just this magic formula for this. But what are maybe some of the questions that if you're kind of discerning through this, if you're in this in this time in your relationship, what are the things that you should be thinking about, the things that you should be considering? And, and how do you kind of know when you're ready to begin entering into that phase of discernment, maybe even? Yeah. So, well, when you come into the how do you know, you know, well, like it's such a great question. And um, because when somebody is in this phase, they're like, how do I really know? Like, And I would say, go back and listen to the beginning part and really assess, like knowing all that I know about them, am I willing to accept the risk of some of the things about them that may not change? That's one important piece to analyze. But, um, and I would say just in terms of timing of this, you know, six months, eight months, you should be asking yourself these questions relatively. You may not know entirely, but you should start thinking about it to an extent, in my opinion. Um, if you are one into year into dating and you haven't even thought about it, I would at least start thinking about it for sure. <laughs> um, but I don't think you need to start thinking about this stuff at like month three per se, you're still developing, um, and you're still figuring that person out. So, uh, when you, okay, how do you really figure this out? Um, B and JJ talk about the triangle of peace. Okay. That's what it is. The triangle of peace. So looking for peace in three different areas. First area, do I have peace within myself, between myself and God? Am I hearing clearly from God? And is God giving me personal peace that this person is somebody I should continue with? So that's one element of peace. 
Second element of peace. Do I have peace with this person? Like, are we on the same page about moving forward? Um, when we talk about it and we talk about the future, are we on the same page about moving forward together? And then I think the third element of peace, which is often overlooked sometimes when the first two are there, you're like, we are great. We feel all the feels. The third level, which is really important, is peace within the counsel of your wise, wise counsel. And um, so this should be your wise mentors or wise couples or wise friends, the close, close people, not everybody, but the closest people in your life. Some of those people might be your parents. For me, they're not because my parents aren't necessarily that, that uh, they're not on that spiritual level that I would desire for them to be. So they're not for me. I don't necessarily need my parents' approval, um, but I have other people that are really important to get that approval from. And so that's the third level is the wise counsel on where do they stand? Have you actively asked them? Have you actively brought them into the relationship? Do they actually know the person that you are wanting to marry? I'll give you a very broad example of this, but we had a very close girl that we um, mentored and she started dating a guy and she brought in me and JJ to meet him and Upon meeting him, we had some red flags, okay? But we are always like generous assumptions. We're going to tell her the red flags and see how he develops through time. A few months in, she started lessening her talk to us about the guy. And all of a sudden, one day, they pop up engaged. And it was only a few months into dating. Now, me and JJ had so many red flags out the yin-yang, okay? And we had to do the hard thing of telling her, hey, we we can't get down with supporting this relationship and this marriage. And that was a really, really, really difficult thing for us to share with her. And ultimately, she still continued on the engagement journey. But my prayer was that God would reveal it to her. And two months after that, a month and a half after that, God revealed so much. And it was mm -hmm. a terrible thing, terrible things that were revealed. And she broke off the engagement. But what she missed a little bit in that process was before she got engaged, bringing that wise counsel into the equation. Um, because if she had asked us before she got engaged, we would have been like, yo, this is way too soon. Those red flags have not been cleared up yet. <laughs> we need to say way more with this guy. And what's the rush? It's only been three or four months. Like that's a red flag in itself. Why is it so rushed? And why aren't you bringing a lot of people into this? And so you know, we've since have an awesome relationship with this girl, but I think that's a great situation of showing how they felt they heard from God personally. They felt between themselves, this is good, but they lacked that third level of peace, which is the peace from the wise counsel around them. And ultimately, you know, the relationship didn't work out. But I think those three layers are really, really important to figuring out if you want to be with someone. And sometimes we just skip over, especially that third one, I would say, is the one where people skip over the most. Um, but those are the three that we used in our relationship and we highly recommend for couples as you're dating. That's helpful. Yeah. And I think there's just a balance of, you know, for some people that process might be quicker and for other people that might be more drawn out because of situations, outside circumstances, other relationships in your life and giving yourself time and grace there to grow is, yeah. is good. I, I talk about this in the study um, 
that whole conversation of I think a lot of people when you ask them how do how do I know if he's the one that everybody says you said it a little bit when you know you know like what you didn't say that that you right. said the question of when you know you know and it's funny I like I remember while dating being so like people would just say that and I'd be like that is not how it works for me it always felt like they knew within the first like month or two and they're like, yeah, just as like, I just knew, I just, I just knew was, he's the one. And as I processed that even more, what used to really bother me started to actually become true for me. But it was through, I knew after like a long journey of dating yes. this person and like having the hard conversations mm. Yeah. You know, for me, that even was like, we had a break in our relationship to figure mm-hmm. out some other things and like. But then when I knew, I knew. And I I can agree with that after months of dating and figuring it out. And so, Mm -hmm. and I think it goes with the whole peace thing. It is the peace triangle because ultimately you have peace within yourself, within each other and in community and wines council. And you just, you just know it feels good. It feels right. It feels full of life and fruit and you do know, but it just doesn't come maybe right away. And I think the big thing is on your wedding day, don't you want your closest people there being like, wow, I am so excited about this. I could not support this more versus them being like, I've never met this guy. I don't really know anything about him. I hope they're happy. You know, like you don't really want that second option. And there he's not maybe going to meet every person in your life, but I'm talking about the closest people, the people that matter most. You want those people to be team You know, I wanted them to be team Kate and JJ a thousand percent without fail. And if they, and I did, I asked every single one before engagement, what do you think? And I, they had no doubts, but I can't say the same with other guys that I almost got engaged Mm -hmm. to, you know, where they're like, (laughs) yeah, I'm not sure. My mentor was always like, "Mm, nope, I'm not sure about that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's true. You got to listen to. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of fear. There's probably girls listening like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to invite people and I'm scared of what they're going to say and what they're going to think. But if you want the this to just like continue moving forward and to get the answers that you're looking for, you just kind of need to. So, mm-hmm. so helpful. Oh, my goodness, Kate. OK, you gave us so much wisdom and insight. So many like <laughs> analogies. I love this. You're the best. Um, <laughs> She's truly the expert. Oh my goodness. I love expert. it. We, we needed didn't... this. Yeah, we needed this in our lives. And I know everybody listening, you provide so many resources for dating women and single women. So yes. how can they like get connected? What do they need to like go to? What should yes. they sign up for? All the things. <laughs> they can go to just heartofdating.com. We have everything there. Um, but we have the podcast weekly. We do offer a very intensive mentorship program. Um, so if you're over 18, you can join that. Um, it's it is expensive, but it's like the biggest thing that we do that we walk people through in a small co- cohort. It's called School of Dating. Um, but we also have our conference coming up at the end of this year. So if you're interested, it's going to be in Nashville, which will be awesome. And December Yay. 29th and 30th. So if you want to meet other singles, um, just like you, and I'm not just saying meet guys, I'm saying just meet singles and have healthy community yeah. and have hope reignited. It's a conference just dedicated to singles. And so you can find all of that though on heartofdating.com. Plus uh, we have a blog and so many free freebies and free resources, all the things. 
Perfect. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yay. Seriously, you guys have to go check out everything that Kate and JJ have to offer. And I can't wait for them to meet JJ and get I connected know. with all of the fun and just like the wisdom that JJ brings. I think it's really fun watching you guys just do ministry together. I love seeing it. It's really, really awesome and really cool. So, uh, Kate, thank you so much for being on today's episode and for just really kind of teaching us what does it look like to date great? We're really, really grateful. And for the girl fam, we will talk to you soon. You guys, thank you so much for listening to our dating series. This has been so much fun. If you didn't know already, the last six episodes are tied to our Dating Devo. It's a six-week study um, that dives into what even scripture says about these things, how to date great, how to stop comparing, how to wait with expectancy, and so much more. So go check out the book. You'll dive into the Word of God. See what scripture says says about dating, which we don't get to hear very often. And we just share a little bit more of our perspective. This has been so much fun. We'll catch you in a week or two for an awesome new series. And it's going to be the best. Talk to you guys later.